You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Yes, hello and you're very welcome to the Content Academy podcast. I am Phil McGrath, joined as I am every week by Paul Caffrey. Monsieur Caffrey, how are you? I am very, very well, Phil. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little bit concerned. Um, you've recently Go had on. some, uh, some uh, sunburn, which yes, has I turned have. into sunstroke. Uh, yes, I did. I got sunstroke the weekend. And how are you now? <laughs> um, I have the most red face you have probably ever seen. That explains the black and white picture on Instagram. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was black and white for a reason. Um, I should probably put up one in color because it is staggering how uh, puce my face is. Quite funny because I was actually went in, did a little bit of shopping, picked up, you know, a bit of food as you do. And uh, people were just stopping and then they were doing that double take and they were yeah. just looking at me. I was like, yes, yes. So it was a combination of a big red head on me uh, and also a lot of cream just to, to make it feel a bit better. But uh um enough about that phil the football season's over what are we going to do oh uh oh wait wait wrong podcast wrong podcast (laughs) um yes oh man content yeah that's where we're at we're not doing football today nope nope not football um yes today we have stephanie oh paul i can't i dodged at the start of the show yeah good man i dodged those lines yeah yeah Yeah, i dodged it because i thought i'd butcher it um well, what was awkward was beforehand when we were getting started was uh, Stephanie was very kind enough to explain how to pronounce it and, and fill you a few attempts at it. And I was still terrible. Didn't cut the mustard. No, it didn't. And in fairness, I hold my hands up. Just didn't work yeah. for me. Um, and she was very, very patient in fairness to her. Um, but Stephanie is a copywriter and content manager living in the Netherlands. Um, so it's been great to get her on the show today. We've had a, a raft of guests from the US of late and some Irish, of course, uh, Alison Canavan jumping to mind. So it's been great to get some European flavor to the show. Um, Stephanie uh, was the editor-in-chief at a a large magazine. And uh, since then, she's moved on to her own project, which is thestorysparks.com, where she helps entrepreneurs and business owners create stellar online presence and uh, rock their online content. So we talked to her today about a number of things, but we really focused in on planning, Paul, and also copywriting. Yeah, I mean, the key ones were planning, copywriting, copywriting and email management. They were the, the primary topics that we spoke about. And I mean, there was some nice little pearls there around planning, copywriting. We haven't spoke too much about before. So that was quite interesting to get her take on language and how to tackle that. Um, and what, and makes then, bad, what makes poor copywriting as well we went into just for a little bit of pointer yes yeah absolutely and then also helping people to find their audience as well which was, it was a uh, major part, always yeah. important but it's often overlooked so uh without further ado i think it's time to hand the microphone across to stephanie de Huys. yes so as i said we have stephanie on the line how the hell are you stephanie I'm really good. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. Paul, how are you, mate? Very well, yeah, very well. Uh, I'm going to be honest, open and upfront at the start of the show. Um, Stephanie, I uh, dodged your surname like a bullet. We you had a, did. We had a, we had a brief discussion at the start of the show about the pronunciation, and I've come to the realisation I would have butchered it. So why don't you tell our audience your full, proper pronunciation of your surname? De Geus. There you go, folks. Yes. There was no hope in hell I was getting close to doing that justice. No, it's fine. Just, uh, just on a funny note, if you translate it, it means the pirate. So. Oh, I love it. Oh, can we not just translate it and leave it like that? Oh, you could, yeah. That's it. It's now it's now Stephanie the pirate. I love it. Yeah. It's done. I suppose for our audience, uh, you might just give them a bit of background now that we understand the meaning of your surname on uh, where you started and what you're up to at the moment. Well, uh, nothing much to do with piracy, I have to be honest with you. Oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I did, however, um, I, I'm a journalist. I studied journalism. I studied Celtic languages and cultures, which landed me a job in um, in the UK, um, making a little detour through Wales. Ended up in Stockport near Manchester, where I was the editorial, uh, edi- sorry, editor-in-chief of Simply Cards and Papercraft, which is a market-leading publication on how to make cards 
And I took that on as a, yes, uh, the, the editor was leaving on maternity leave. And I took that on and I turned uh, the magazine into best selling title in its, in its market. And from there on, I created a new magazine completely from scratch, which was tons of fun. And it sold like crazy, the first issue. And then after about two years, I, I, was, I hit that feeling where I was like, yeah, I'm done. And then left to go back to the Netherlands to uh, start off as a freelancer. Uh, did some blog, freelance blogging, article writing and everything. And now I'm working with clients doing their um, email content, website content, um, whatever they need. It has worked, <laughs> basically. Yes, and you're, you're running most of that from your own site, which is, of course, the story sparks.com. Am I correct? Yes, it is. Yes, love it. And I suppose... Given your background, there's plenty we can really push into today and kind of break down and kind of disseminate for our audience. But there's two areas I want to talk to you about. And the first one is content planning, because this is something that I found uh, many of our audience seem to have a major problem with um, in terms of coming up with content that their audience are going to enjoy. So we're going to dig a little deeper into that, folks, and then we're going to move on to uh, some copywriting, if that's OK with you, Stephanie. It's absolutely fine with me. Fire away. Excellent stuff. So let's kick into it. In terms of planning content, obviously, we know we've said there you've been working with some clients and part of that work you're doing with clients is helping them plan out their content, be it an editorial calendar. I know you, yes. use, you use Trello as well to help map out content for clients. Am I right? I do. Yes. See, I've done my research. And, uh, <laughs> you did. So in terms of doing that, what, what would a, a typical session with a client look like for you for helping them plan? Well, first off, I would really just need to get in their head, like in a non-offensive, I'm not messing with your head kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would just really need to, I need to understand their audience. Um, I need to understand their business. So what we do, if it's, if it's one of the first conversations, like obviously if you get into this more, you get straight onto the planning and the brainstorming phase. But as we're starting out, I just need to know as much as I can. And I always tell my clients, please feel free to just, just bombard my inbox or any, with anything you have. There's no such thing as too much in, at this stage. Mm. And from there on, we'll, do, we'll just look, okay, who's, who's the audience? What does the audience need? What do, what do they want? And from there on, uh, I like to work with rough monthly themes. So we, there's kind of a cohesiveness to it. Um, that's one thing I picked up when I was working as the editor-in-chief. We have specific issues like with Valentine, there were more Valentine-themed things in there. With Christmas, obviously the whole thing was Christmas mm. instead of um, birthdays. We always had birthday card features in it. So there were, there were these constant things and there were these seasonal things. So if you know your audience and you know, obviously when you have a blog, you need to, to take into the... Yeah, the actual things are happening like Christmas and Valentine, especially if you have like say a food blog, you need to, to you need to do something with those themes. So we'll just start brainstorming things and then we'll just group them together in specific categories. And then we'll just go to the planning stage and make sure it's like a nice cohesive that has a nice flow to it, basically. I like that actually. And I mean there's there's probably two things that are jumping out for me. Um one is I have lived in Manchester before and spent a bit of time in Disby and Stockport, so there you go. Oh, wow. Uh, quite random. Um, but the other thing which jumps out is um, you're talking about themes, you're talking about times of the year, ultimately deadlines. If you miss that deadline, you miss your opportunity as such, yeah. which can be pretty much very intense and highly stressful. And I mean, I've noticed from your side here that you, you talk a lot about, you know, being stress stress free. You know, there's kind of four pillars jumping out at me, which is, you know, be stress free, get organized, have morning habits and create awesome content, which are all things that we would, uh, you know, we aspire to do here. Um, but how do you actually go about being stress free when working to deadlines like that? Be like an, a complete planning freak. <laughs> That's the short it. answer. Interesting. Let's tell us more. I need to know this. <laughs> well, from where I'm sitting right now, I'm looking at a massive whiteboard that covers half my wall that has scribbles on things that I need to do. The other thing that I do is how I have a paper planning system where I write out what I do every day. And then I have my digital planner as well, where I just allocate slots of my day to certain things so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, right, what am I doing? I just have to open one thing and go, 
oh, that's what I'm doing. And I also just use forward planning. So if I know that things like, like Christmas are coming up, then I know I need to address that on, on the blog, not as, as early as in magazines, especially not in the card making world. But if you want to talk about Christmas, you have to start in November. So you need to have ideas for that in the month before that. So you need to make little notes for yourself in your calendar along those lines so that when you open it, you go, oh, that's what I'm doing. So you won't miss the actual deadline. Yeah, well, look, that makes sense. I remember working in retail many years ago and uh, I used to pack the Christmas trees in the stockroom and we would get them in in August and they will be nicely organized and arranged waiting for that season to come along. Um, okay, now that's pretty cool. So I suppose some of myself, I've, I've got a whiteboard, quite a large whiteboard. I went to the crazy one day and ordered a huge one on the internet. Yeah, I knew you'd um, love that book. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a fan. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've spent, I suppose, probably a couple hours of my day jumping in and out of a Trello board of those kind of, you know, digging through tasks and moving things from, you know, things to start to in progress to finally done uh, or whatever else. Um, but what does that process look like for, for yourself uh, there, Stephanie? What, what, way, what would a typical day look like, let's say, in a, in, when creating content? When creating content? Oh, do you mean in terms of planning? Or do you, do you mean in terms of the actual writing of the stuff? Well, I guess we might as well stick with the planning because I suppose that comes first and maybe segue into the writing uh, or, or whatever way you do it. You know, I'm really interested to find out if, if I'm using these tools the way they should be used. So, Well, to, to be honest, I use Trello mostly for my clients so they know what's going on with their content. But I don't use it as much on a day-to-day basis. What I do is I, I use Asana quite a lot. I have a lot of different uh, categories and I follow everything that I need to do within those categories and then subcategories under that as well. And then I allocate those tasks to, to specific days. So I, I always have, on Monday, I have my entire week planned out mostly about roughly about 80%. So that I know I have a bunch of tasks that need to be done. But if I pile them all on one day, I'll just freak out and nothing gets done. So that's, that's, no, that's not a nice place to be. So I'll just make sure I have them spread out evenly across the week. And then every evening before I go to bed or before I say, okay, I'm done, I'll stop working now, I write them in my paper journal so I can actually get the satisfaction of ticking something off as well. And that's that's how I just roughly plan out my day. I just put it in Asana, make sure my week is, and I know when deadlines are, those are my Google Calendar. And then in the morning, I open up my paper planner and go, right, okay, Let's sit down and do this. And then when I write content, when I actually do the actual writing stuff, I, I, it, it's just a task on my, on my list, really. It's just one thing that I need to do that day. So I sit down, I write it. I roughly know how much time things are going to take. Sometimes I miscalculate. Sometimes I think, oh, I can do that in half an hour, and then it takes three. It yeah, happens. I've been guilty of that, all right. I think I think we've all been guilty of that. <laughs> you you plan out an hour and five hours later, you're still sitting there. Yeah, especially when you work with clients and you you have to write content as if it's coming from them. It's even harder, especially when it's a new client. You you still have to struggle to get their tone of voice, and then you sit down and you think, oh, I can do that, and you look at that and think, nope, that's me, and then you have to rewrite it in their voice. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get the tone correct for the publication is obviously quite difficult uh, first yeah. time out. Um, I just want to bring you back a little bit if I can. Sure. You were talking about uh, kind of having a chat with your clients when you sit down to maybe help them come up with content. And there was one of the bits that kind of struck me there. You were talking about getting as much information about their audience as you can in order yeah. to form a, a content plan. And you kind of said, well, let them i get them to give me as much information as they can but yeah. on the flip side what is the minimum amount of information you think that someone should have about their audience before they start creating content well they, they should have um at least a gender that's that's a really good place to start and they should have an age group and they should have um Let's see if I can find a good example. Like if we stick with the card making uh, thing, but that was with, when I was do, doing editor in chief, we 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 knew roughly the age of our readers. We knew that most of them were female. We know that they really loved um, die cutting, which is a specific technique, and stamping. We knew that they really wanted birthday cards because they always wanted to make those things. So you need to 
really know within the topic that you're writing about the, mostly the struggles of your audience and what they really like, what what the, the kind of stuff they go on the internet, go uh, for on and just type in how do I and then whatever it is you're doing. And if you know that, then you, you just need to know what they want to read. Yeah, no, it's interesting just to get your perspective on it. Obviously, this is something that I think a lot of our audience will have a good idea of. But for those of you perhaps who are just starting out or haven't quite nailed it down yet, this is how important it is because it has knock-on effects to not only um, your business as a whole, but even just in terms of creating content on a daily or weekly basis. If you don't have that understanding, you're going to struggle. I mean, Paul, how well did we understand our audience when we started in the football space? Oh, well, that was something we knew very specifically. You know, we kind of knew it was kind of 18 to 35 uh, and competitive people who had a disposable income. Uh, and although ultimately we're talking about football, which kind of interests everyone, there was a very specific uh, segment within that market that we were actually targeting. Um, and that, you know, that influenced a lot of how we wrote most of the content, I would argue. Yeah, no, it absolutely did. And I just wanted to get your take on that, Stephanie, uh, how, how we kind of, how, how much or how little do you need to know before planning? So, I mean, you've got the, the ideas for the background on the audience you're, you're proposing the content for. You understand the market to some degree. So in terms of your planning it out and making sure it all fits, how do you extract that information from your clients? Um, when we know who their audience is, um, we're just going to look at where they are right now. So where they are right now what are they struggling with now at this specific point if they go on the internet what do they need now and that's what we're going to put up first because what you see is if you start with something and they they, they get hooked and they keep on reading you can't give them the same base level of information every single time you need to just slightly step it up a bit you need to take them on a journey and there's no shame in just reverting back and say to people who are new like hey you're new so good to have you. We're doing a bit of intro thing. If you want to learn more, you can read this, 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 and this, and this. And then you, you have like a, a you, you, it's kind of like building a library. You just, you build on information and you, yeah. And sometimes new trends happen as well. That's a big thing. If you're, if you're in a, in a, in a trend uh, sensitive market, then you need to focus on the trends as well, because that's what people are most interested in. And has there any been no, and has there been any notable trends that, that you or your clients have picked up on where you've had to react? And if so, how did you react to it? Uh, to to be honest, the few clients that I'm working with are not really trend sensitive. There are there's one who is doing a lot of about marketing and SEO, so that is something that to really keep your eye on because that changes and uh, new insights happen so you need to be on top of that but the other one is more a personal lifestyle thing and in that market anything goes really okay. as long as it's the personality of the person who is whose blog it is of course yeah that no, absolutely makes sense um and i suppose i mean if we're if we're digging down a little deeper and we're kind of you're in the position where you've you know you've got a client and you've you've understood their audience you know you're you're starting to understand their you know their tone or, or their voice as such um do you get the person themselves to kind of do the brainstorming and and help you plan the blogs out uh, or the articles out or is that something that you would actually take ownership of that depends on the client. Um, I can do and uh, take ownership of the brainstorming and planning out content. I have done that for a few clients and that worked out perfectly fine for them. But when it's um, uh, one of my clients is someone, she she has a lot of stories to tell, but she's like, I'm too busy to write it and it's not my thing. So I tell you all the stories and you turn them into posts. That's fine. But then we, we do most of the brainstorming together. But basically, she starts talking and every five seconds I go, oh, that's a great topic. Write that down. And, <laughs> Keep a note of it. Write that yeah. down. Post it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Nice. And um, would it be a case then, would, would you find that all of your clients then would be kind of, they'd be full-time kind of personality brand types or some people kind of part-time artists or some businesses or, you know, what's the spread look like? Um, a bit of everything, really. There, there, there are people who are branding themselves, so they're they're really. It's really important to have their brand in everything, and there are people who are more um, 
informative kind of uh, based where they would just need we just need to make sure that it appeals to the audience and that is a slightly different take on it if you get what i mean yeah no i, I get it i, I pause do you get it yes yes good, yes. <laughs> good. <laughs> i'm just taking I... notes here stephanie as well because i quite like what you're saying so <laughs> that's uh there's something else I want to move on to uh, as we're going through. We have our content planned out now. We understand our audience. Um, we have a, a form of an editorial calendar, should we say, uh, ready to roll. We've given given our guests or our, um, our clients a plan of action. But in terms of their, their blog strategy, how, what advice do you give to your clients in terms of coming up with a blog strategy that's going to work for them if, for instance, say it's... Uh, content marketing or information marketing it, it's um we need to know what the goal of their blog is uh, is it to um grow their email list is it to grow their uh, views their clicks do they have a product coming up and that all just takes into um that depends the sorry <laughs> the strategy depends on that if you want to have a product coming up, say right now we know there's a product coming up in July, then you know you have to slightly start plugging in topics related to the launch now. And it doesn't need to be like a major thing. You can do one post, say this month, and then next month you do a few more. And then say we're launching mid-July and then you're just leading up to that. Because if you have... Um, products where your audience needs some kind of base low uh, base information base then you need to start giving that now so that when you actually launch they go oh but i already know how to do that and this is the next step so awesome i'm getting that whereas if you want to grow your email list you have to make sure you do amazing content and then have like a, a killer uh, lead magnet on the end where they go oh i love this now i need that so it's it's a it's a different strategy for everything yeah, and I, I just I wanted to lead you down the rabbit hole, so I hope you don't mind. Um, in in terms then of leading them along that strategy, how far in advance do you recommend that your clients plan that out or start drip feeding that content that's ultimately going to lead them to their end goal? At least two to three months. Two to three months, excellent. And again, just for our audience, this way I'm I'm asking the question. This these are the things you need to be considering when you're looking at your planning your editorial calendar. That what you have coming up two to three months down the road isn't as far away as you think, and you need to start planning your content around that now and start building for that in the future. So, again, thank you very much for that, Stephanie. Yeah, just just to illustrate that point, to go back to the magazine, Christmas is in December, as we all, we all know. Our Christmas issues launched in uh, July and August, so that was because people need to may have time to make their Christmas cards. And we started thinking about Christmas in February, <laughs> so three to three months is not that far. <laughs> no, it most certainly isn't. Yeah. Paul, that, that sounds very familiar to Lane Kennedy, who we had in the show, and she planned her content out 12 months in advance. Yes, yes, similar tactics uh, and obviously all producing the right results. Um, I really like that. I suppose there's probably uh, one question that jumps to mind, you know, is there a difference in the type of content that you would produce to try to get somebody onto, say, a, an email list or as opposed to promoting maybe a, an upcoming product a few months down the line? Or is it the same, you know, same gist and same idea of getting people onto a list? I think with a list, it's more important that you give them something of value right now. So you can create, you want to say, oh, I want to start adding people to the list next week and I'm going to write a killer post with a killer lead magnet and post that next week and then that's what you need. But I think with a, when you're actually launching a product, you need to warm the audience up a bit. You can't say out of the blue next week, hey, I have a product. That's, that's. Then the, your audience would be like, I'm sorry, what? Where did that come from? Unless you have a massive audience, of course, you have those people and it works for them, that's fine. But I would say warm them up, get them excited, get them involved, ask their opinions. And then once um, it's actually there, they're like, yes, I want that. Excellent. And would you actually even go down a step further to get people involved so kind of setting up maybe a kind of pre-launch group or you know be very very blatant and kind of saying there is a there's a product or a service coming up in a couple of months based on on x topic or whatever or would you kind of keep that quiet 
or, or what way what way does that typically run for your clients I, th- I think you can do both really I think you can slowly warm them up with uh, topics relating to what you're launching uh, or you can actually get them involved uh, if you're launching an ebook ask them uh, what title they think is best or if they like uh, which cover they like best or if, if, if you said do a, a pre-launch group with uh, with a few people Oh, if you do that, then you will probably get more social media tweets and retweets and everything and more, more engagement happening. Whereas with the other one, you're just giving them a lot of value first, which is also a really good strategy. I mean, move, cool. moving on from, from that, and I just want to, just, just before I kind of, I want to tip in towards copywriting now. But before I do, in terms of the clients you've worked with, and the content that they've been previously creating. Is there any kind of obviously glaring faults that you've seen through their cop- uh, their uh, writing that you think this needs to be addressed and are kind of systemic within the blogging? I think a lot of people don't know who their audience is and then just they just do something. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds really horrible saying it like that, but I'm just really looking from what they've done and what, they, what i got delivered it's just a lot of some people think that is a, a sales space for instance is just a, a collection of nice big sentences like, yeah that's sorry that's not gonna work yeah no and i, I get that i mean with jeff beale on the show back in episode eight and he kind of said something similar it was that people seem to create content based on their own bubble rather than what their audience are actually looking for or understanding their audience um, exactly so it certainly makes sense so i mean We'll move it on slightly from from the planning aspect of content um, to the copywriting um, for the, for your for for websites and sales pages and everything else because it's not something we've really spoken about too much on the show before. So, I'll start it off. We'll give our audience maybe a bit of context to you. What makes poor copy? Poor copy is um, for me is sentences that go on too long. Like, seriously, three lines is what kind of sentence is that? And sentences for me need to be like really on point and you need to bring your message across as quickly and as tightly as possible and meet your audience where they are. So poor copy for me is anything that doesn't meet that. That makes that makes complete sense. So, I mean, is there any tips that you give people in terms of when they're creating their copies to help them stay on point and get that message across in a concise manner? I would say focus on the problem your audience is having. Um, address that address that you understand the problem that you know what it feels like know what at which specific point they are and then let them know how you can help them and do that in a way that when they come to the end of it they think yeah that's really great and not in a i think i just got lost in a forest of words kind of way yeah again makes complete sense and i hope people at home are listening in closely here because this is something we've also seen time and time again, poor understanding and uh, not conveying the message in a clear enough manner can lead to all kinds of distractions. And ultimately people are just going to click away and not get to where you want to get them. Yeah. And and also I see that people want to use a lot of fancy words to fancy up the text. And I think that is just not a good idea. I've, I've had clients who wanted that and I've tried to say to them, well, look, I would have strongly advise against that, and then they just still edited them themselves. Like, yeah, okay. But you need you need to speak in the language of your audience, and if that's not their language, well, then you're way off the mark. But again, I think that does come back to understanding your audience yet again. Exactly. For someone who wants to do that, yes, that might work for the audience they have. But if it's not the the language their audience uses, well, then they clearly don't understand the audience. Exactly. So. We've kind of got some bad points for copywriting. We know what makes bad copy. When you're with your clients and you're working through their their copy, what are some of the key things that you try to instill within that? Uh, active language, for sure. It, um, so okay. that it, 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 it's not a, the whole, you are going to have, no, you have. That that kind of, it's just like st- strong language, not the... Not, um, I think that's also a part of me being Dutch as well. Um, I hate the whole language thing that goes around it. And I'm just like straight to the point. And that's 
Oh, I like my copy as well. And I think that's a really eff effective way of communicating with people. So I really like that. Yeah. So just, yeah, just straight to the point, say it as it is. Don't skirt around the issue. Exactly. Um, so when you write copy then, so you've, you might have written maybe, a, you know, a paragraph or maybe you've written the article. Um, would you go through it and shorten it and shorten it and be cutting it back as much as possible? Um, not not typically, no. I write pretty tight. What I do do is write it and then just walk away and just leave it for two days and then come back to it and then, then go edit it. And then sometimes things just fall out and it gets shorter and sometimes it gets fluffed up a bit. But that's probably because... I write pretty tight as it is. Yeah, yeah, I got you. You've got that style down. Uh, I yeah. think that is something when, when we used to write about football, um, it was very much on point and we had a lot of tactics and keywords that we would sometimes keep in some articles and we, we had that down. Um, but I mean, look, it makes sense. If you look at a lot of you know leading on online copywriters, even Neil Patel, for example, You'll, you'll rarely see a, you know, a paragraph on his website that is more than two sentences in space before you see that little bit of blank space and then moving on to the next sentence itself. So, um, I mean, very, very powerful. Yet a lot of people think a lot of words kind yeah. of are better and it's, it's not always it's not. the case. It doesn't no. always get read. Look at your bounce rate. You know, what, what is that? You know, and there's a lot of different ways of measuring it. Um, I think if you're writing a, a literary, a work of literature, then yeah, go nuts with the words. Add in as much adjectives as you if you want. But if you're doing web copy, nah, -uh. <laughs> no. Well, here's one for you now, and it's something that I've spoken about before on the show when it comes to writing copy is that my brain tends to work in headlines. So when I'm writing copy, the headline is generally the first thing that pops into my head, and then I pad it out from there. And what I'll do is once I've it written, I'll go back and revisit the headline and make sure it still fits. So do you tend to do headline first or headline last or how do you do that? I actually tend to do headline last because I'm really, really bad at it, uh, admitting this, but headlines are not my strong suit. I am working on this right now to improve that, but headlines is always something I've struggled with. Yeah, no, it's just interesting to get a different perspective because I, I know plenty of people who say, no, always leave your headline last. For me, the headline is nearly, my when I'm coming up with the content, the headline is nearly the first thing that pops into my brain. I go, that's a great headline. And then I'll, match, I'll have something to match it. And then I'll go yeah. back and revisit it at the end to see, does it still fit? If it doesn't, I'll redo the headline or else it does fit. And I'm like, hey, happy days. And I will walk. But I love the fact as well that you recognize, write it, leave it there. You said 24 hours or 48 hours, leave it there and you just walk away. And then when it comes time to editing, you can kind of look at it with a, on a fresh perspective. Yeah. Are there any tips then other than leaving it gestate for a while that you would give our audience in terms of editing their own copy? Uh, read it backwards. That's a good one. Just don't start at the top, start at the bottom. Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I do that all the time. It's amazing how you actually spot the mistakes and do it that way yes. <laughs> as opposed to just reading it and missing everything, which I suppose has, has annoyed you a few times in the past, Phil, when you've seen some of my stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. Going, what is this? Yeah. Um, no, I tend to read read things out loud. And yes. That's how I work. Um, I was just going to say a second one. Read it out loud. It's the the, the best thing to spot mistakes and in punctuation as well. Yeah, and I I think I think also when you read it out loud, you can you can also figure out, as you were saying earlier on, that you know sentences that are far too long. Yeah. You have a better chance of spotting those while it's being read out loud than you do when reading it in your head. Um, yeah. But reading it backward isn't isn't something I do. Maybe I might try that and see how it works for me. Um, Paul, do I need to change my uh, editing styles? You don't need to change. It's about doing what works for you. Um, I didn't like reading out loud because I was getting tired of the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I can read this backwards and that works for me. And that's yeah. what it's about figuring out what works for you. Exactly. And I think if you do go with the uh, reading out loud bit, um, any sentence that leaves you out of breath at the end is too long. Yeah, there you go. So you better not walk up the stairs and do this as well, because then you'll be totally <laughs> thinking your content's a waste. Well, and then at least your copy will be really tight after the editing. <laughs> It'll yeah, be yeah. tight and I'll be fitter. <laughs> yes. Um, oh my God, have you created a new niche? <laughs> maybe, yeah. It could be like editing fitness. There you go. I'm going to write that one down for later on. You never know. 
Um, so I mean, there's there's loads more we can go into with with copy, and I, I'm I'm conscious that uh you know we don't want to bore our audience too much around uh, the same kind of topics, but I just want to go back to your organizational skills just momentarily because I'm astounded at how well organized you are, and I would consider myself reasonably organized. Um, at least I like to think so. Um, but you're putting me to shame here, so. Any tips you give our audience in terms of organizing their work so they don't get overwhelmed? Because I know that's something you tipped on earlier. I would say make sure you plan ahead. Don't just look at today. Don't just look at this week, but try to see look at the month as a whole and keep on the keep knowing what's coming up in months after that. So if you're launching something, make sure you know when that's happening and break it up into steps of things that need to happen before that. And um, yeah, just keep a really good like planning system either either a notebook or something digital but every time you you think of something that you need to do write it down and decide when it needs to be done don't just let it just linger there i mean we all have those tasks i have those tasks as well that just sit there and just think yeah i'll get to it one day and then one day never comes yeah i've been guilty of that myself (laughs) um we well we've been using todoist uh lately and uh, I have some tasks in there and I must admit there was three of them that were stuck on my to-do list that I just didn't get around to and that little three was annoying me so much on my phone that I just went in and marked them as done I just marked them as done just to get them off my phone because I, I'm one of those people I, I am where if there's a number beside a box on my iPhone I have to check it it has to be done I can't leave like I've, I, have, I have friends of mine um, whose inbox says 1,015. You're like, does that not drive you crazy? And they're like, no, it doesn't really bother me. I'm like, no, I'd have to, I'd have to go in and either delete all those because at this stage, there's no point in replying to them. Or, oh, yeah, that would just, be too. Or just open them to get rid of them off the screen. Um, that wouldn't even be enough for me. I have an inbox zero policy. <laughs> an inbox zero policy. Speak to us a little bit about that, so because that's something I think our audience might be interested in, certainly adapting for their own uses. I uh, try to have nothing in my inbox. I Right now I have, let's see, uh, seven messages in my inbox, which is too much for me. And it's all emails that I still need to reply to. Uh, but most of the time I re- re- either reply to it or snooze them to a day where I'm going to reply to it. And then I just file them straight away so I don't let anything linger in my inbox because that annoys me. It makes me feel like I have to do this now. <laughs> I'll have to do other work. Yeah, I like. I, I find also sometimes if you let that inbox get out of control, you don't realize, you know, what's important and what's not that important. Mm. So one thing, there's kind of two things that I like to do always which I find work quite well is the first is if anybody ever sends me an email and I'm CC'd on it or I'm copied in or, you know, it's sent to multiple people, you will go to a CC folder and, and I might check that once a day. I might check that once a week. It depends on the week that's in it. Mm. Um, and then the second thing is, I have, let's say, you know, I've subscribed to email lists or, you know, I've got certain kind of Google alerts or, or whatever it could be. Um, I would have them organized to drop into certain folders so that when I've got the time, I'll go in and I'll have a look at this and I'll go through it. And um, what it does mean then is when I've actually got mail in my inbox, it's from a person, it's addressed to me um, and it actually gets viewed as opposed to, you know, now I suppose, um, before I did this, I might maybe get a hundred, 200 mails a day and all of a sudden some get lost in the noise, you know, stuff gets delayed. Whereas now that doesn't happen. However, I do have thousands of emails in folders that are unread because I deem them optional, unimportant. I might have a look at them. I might not, but I'm not promising anyone that I will. Um, so I suppose there's an, another kind of twist on that. However, that does lead to that little icon on your iPhone, which can actually be saying thousands of mails unread, depending on what mail client you do use. So um, you might have to get over that, Phil, if you were going to employ that tactic. <laughs> no, 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 no. They have to be, even if I don't read them, I'll delete them. And that's how I view my inbox. I have, I have a, all, all my inbox, anything that comes in, I will open it if I don't want to read it. I don't file it away to maybe read later on. It gets deleted. Yeah, me too. Pure and simple. So if I don't reply to your email, it's not sitting in my inbox. I've already deleted. Send it again. 
that's how I look at it. I mean, does 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 certain certain people's emails are marked as important and they come true? Obviously, I read those. Paul's, yours, maybe sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you don't delete every single mail, do you? So are you saying I've sent you email and you've just deleted it? Um, no, if if I don't, oh, oh. <laughs> if if the sender is not something that I deem important. So again, I'd be on a, I'd be on, a, I'd saying, be on yeah, a few yeah. so emails. I've got folders like you. and you delete them. Yeah, I yeah. Get you. you. You segment them into folders, whereas I just delete. So it depends what mood you catch me in, how busy I am, what's going on. But I hate to have mails that I either haven't opened and read or deleted. Um, so, and that's, Stephanie, that's what Judy, you have. So basically when you get an email in, you'll segment it into a folder to either be replied to later on or just to sit there. Or how does that work for you? Uh, they come in, I open them, I read them, and I think, mm, I'm going to reply to this now or later. And if it's later, they, I snooze them. If it's now, I reply to it, and then I'll file them in folders. So everything that's filed in folders is read and replied to or just read and acknowledged. Like some people just email me back with, with something I needed. Like, yeah, thanks, but the sending a back thanks is sometimes just not needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know one guy, he always just like... He, I, I, I literally call him last word so and so because he just anything I send to him, there's a response. It doesn't matter. It can be any thanks. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Thank. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I've, I've commented exactly. with this. I've blatantly said ridiculous comments and sent it back, and I've still gotten a response. So yeah, that's yeah. You don't need that. No. Um, I suppose. I mean, look, we're running really tight on time. Um, but I do just have one final question. Uh, and for me, it is, how do you prioritize all of the tasks in your busy schedule? By deadline. And uh, I look at things, I, I deadline everything, I deadline with clients, everything. It just I just give them a date, you have it back by, which means my own deadline is at least two to three days before that. So I prioritize uh, on that basis. Um, and then just make a planning and then as soon as I get a deadline for something or like uh, something that I need to do, I put in the deadline on my calendar, look at when I'm going to do it and then break it if I need be, uh, if I need to up in chunks, allocate the chunks to specific days so that I just know that I'm always, always on time. And can I ask a question off the back of that? <laughs> of course. What happens when life gets in the way? How do you cope with that? Uh, that's why I always plan in ahead and make sure my own deadline is way before the deadline that it needs to be in. There you go, folks. That's, <laughs> that's how that's how you do it. You'll be ahead of yourself to get yeah. everything done. Because listen, we we know life happens, things pop up, and uh, it's not always possible to meet the uh, the deadline that you've set. And I'm just curious as to how you cope with that. But you're that far in advance that if something pops up. You still have time to get it done. Fantastic. Now, I can't let you off the line without asking the one question I ask all of our guests at the end of the show. And it's very simply this. Throughout everything you've been doing over the last number of years, um, in terms of planning content, writing copy, um, dealing with your clients, is there one thing you, uh, you've you learned that you wish you knew when you started? That's a good one. I think what I've learned um, over the last four years is that it, it's all audience-based. It's all about what your audience wants. It's nothing to do with what you want. It has nothing to do with what you're good at. It's just if you pick a specific audience, you're in a specific niche. It's all about what your audience wants and needs to read at that specific time. Beautiful. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. <laughs> Before I let you go, give us um, your contact details there for our audience. If they want to shoot you a message on Twitter or get you on Facebook, where can they do that? Uh, they can find my website on uh, www.thestorysparks.com and they can email me at hello at thestorysparks.com. I'm on Twitter um, and I hope you are going to write this down underneath the episode. Because I will my... have everything in the show notes. <laughs> my Twitter handle is sdhuis. So... Oh, that's, that's, sorry about that. No, um, I'll make sure to have all that in there. And I am on Facebook as well with a Facebook uh, group for the Story Sparks, uh, on a page for Story Sparks and a group where people can, uh, which people can join where they can get free uh, advice on blog posts or anything copy related. 
excellent stuff. Again, I'll make sure to have all those in today's show notes, folks, so you can head over there to check those out. Stephanie, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much for taking the time to come onto the show, and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. I really loved it. Thank you. And that was Stephanie de Huys from thestorysparks.com and a thoroughly enjoyable episode it was. We spoke about planning, we spoke about copywriting, email management, a host of resources were mentioned from Trello to whiteboards, Asana, journaling. We spoke about some previous episodes we had with Lane Kennedy and Jeff Beale, but all around a lot of, um, I suppose, content related tips in that show. Yeah, which, uh, of course, that's what we're about. Sometimes we tend to break into different topics, so we're bringing it right back into the content. And certainly the planning aspect for me, Paula, I took a lot away from, and hopefully our, our, uh, our audience did too. So you guys listening in, there's such an importance on understanding who your audience is and what, what they want to know right now. That was the main theme I picked up from today's show. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose like... Well, like if we if we focus on that you know do you know the age range do you have a gender you know what is your audience interested in you know what are they struggling with what do they want to know what do they need to know now easy questions uh, and sometimes you know we hear other people in the industry go on and on and on about this but it is because it's very very important so um, look, you can generalize, you can speak to individual members of your audience, but you know, you need to find that information out somehow. And so really, if you haven't, I mean, that would be probably the most scary thing uh, going and you really need to take action and do that. But if we jump onto the planning topic on Monday morning, Stephanie knows what she is going to do for the entire week. Now, that is, that is interesting. I'm definitely not that organized. I'll know I've got diary commitments and I've got certain hard deadlines in the week. And, you know, maybe it could be podcast recording times. Uh, but I won't specifically know what I'm doing for the week on an hour by hour basis. I'll know by the day, maybe by two days. But I, I don't know. I mean, what about you, Phil? Is that something that you are you that organized? I don't think I'm that organized and you know me well enough to know I'm not. So I, I can't even say I don't think I am. You know I'm not that organized, but I am probably more organized than you. Can I say that? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's fair. I've got a very uh, laissez-faire attitude. I'm pretty chilled out um, to the point where it actually stresses people out who I work with, especially <laughs> if uh, we're ever going into any important meetings or have any important deadlines on, you know, um, with a lot riding on it, I'll still be pretty chilled out. And if things aren't done already, I won't be stressed. And I'll be thinking, okay, well, what time have we got left? Well, what can we actually realistically get done in that? Uh, but I'm not proactive. I'm not proactive in the sense of having my weeks or my months uh, planned ahead. So, I mean, that's a lesson that I can take uh, away from the show is to possibly, um, I look to, start you planning know. more <laughs> yeah yeah start planning well i mean it's more, quite yeah. ironic paul you say you you, you take a laissez-faire attitude to it but we we plan everything out quite well um within content academy and within our other business adventures that we have i like the adventures yes ah. not ventures they're <laughs> adventures um there's a difference look it up but we do plan everything out quite well. And one of the other things that Stephanie was talking about was calendar trends. And this isn't the first time it's come up on the show, that they're simple things that don't take a whole lot of thought that if you're not looking at, you really, really should be there. That's a five minute job that very minimum. You can plan out what's coming up in terms of seasonal trends on your calendar and know what's happening and how far in advance. And we, we spoke to Stephanie about if you have a launch coming up and you want to start drip feeding content to do with that launch, how far in advance do you plan that out? And it's two to three months. So that will give you an idea of where you can start with planning your content out in terms of what you want to achieve. And we did speak a little bit about the goals of your content. And again, I've spoke about this before on the show about having goals for everything you do, but understanding those goals and that what you want to achieve by them will ultimately decide when your content has to start going out and how far in advance, advance then you have to start uh, brainstorming and creating and editing and the whole process that goes into that. So it's not yeah. just a case of working month by month. I do think you should break your calendar down into quarters. I mean, we look at ours in quarters, Paul, and I think it works quite well for us. 
Yeah, it certainly does. And I suppose that's something I took over from the corporate world was having that, that quarterly focus, you know, and then we, you know, we have what our goals that we want to achieve for that quarter, you know, nearly our, our corporate strategy in some respects, how we're going to deliver that. And, and then we break it down by month um, and we'll have four key focuses for the month, which then in turn becomes weekly tasks, which then become the daily tasks. And um, I, I think what's key with quarterly is it gives you an opportunity to stop, look back. What happened? What went well last quarter? What didn't? You know, what did you struggle with? Um, and then be able to kind of refocus and go again because um, it's very easy to say, well, look, my business isn't seasonal. I don't do Christmas stuff. I don't do summer stuff, you know, whatever. My, my niece, that doesn't matter. It's That's close. not the point. The point is um, having uh, specific milestones in time where you actually uh, plan you react to what's happened uh, and then you improve. So um, crucial, crucial, crucial comes back down. Yet yeah, I'm a fan of, of, of a business plan or a roadmap at the very least, if you, if you don't want to call it a plan. Um, now, I suppose the, the key difference here is uh, we would focus on the, you know, the, the high level planning and we would designate tasks. Stephanie kind of just takes it to the nth degree where she kind of plans out every hour of her week uh, and that is is quite interesting to me because i do i, I do a weekly plan uh, and quite simple it's something i picked up from peter vugal you know i'll write down all of the goals for for the week ahead you know what are my non-negotiables you know who are the top three people that i want to meet with this week stuff lo- along these lines um and i'll look at that every day just to keep me on point to bring me back um now uh, and again i suppose if you factor that into the calendar it can go a step further but i don't want to keep on going on about the calendar and, and that side of things um i just thought it was quite an interesting point um one other thing if we move it on um before we kind of run out of time here because i can see that clock counting <laughs> down um was really just simple understand your audience's problem you know what are they struggling with it's the simple same stuff again and again and you know what it works yeah and i want to lay down a challenge to everyone listening today or tomorrow or whenever you eventually get around to listening to this episode and i want you to leave a comment and let us know who your audience are give us your demographic no one's gonna be brave enough to do that phil why not i guarantee no one actually just goes and does well there's the challenge i'm trying they don't know their audience Someone proved me wrong. Someone proved Paul wrong, more importantly. I think, I'd like to think our audience know their, know their audience uh, better than you think they do, Paul. So that's I a challenge. Well, listen, there's the bet. Um, there's a challenge, folks. I'm throwing it down to you now. Go ahead and leave a comment and let us know who your demographic is that you're catering your content to. And we can shut Paul up once and for all. But listen, we'll leave it there. Paul, it's been a pleasure as always, my friend. And we'll chat to yes. you soon. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you again.